Ladies and gentlemen, meine Damen und Herren, we are back with a members-only episode that you're getting a free sample of. So this is the annoying preamble about how you should go to wethefifth.substack.com and subscribe. Hey, look, it's, you, it doesn't cost you anything to listen to this. Fast forward the damn thing and start. It's in like 30 seconds. Here you go. Here is us uh, from last night, myself, Camille, Matt Welch, uh, talking about one of the worst articles that I've ever read in my life uh, that was in the, in the Atlantic by Ibram X. Kendi. I think there's some other stuff we threw in here in this freebie. So yeah, here's a little bit of that. And then go subscribe, because then I don't have to find another <laughs> another job in which they will hate me, bench me, and then uh, get ultimately get rid of me. <laughs> so, so help keep me out of the mainstream media ecosystem by supporting the fifth column. All right, here's a little free sample. Shall I read an email from someone who prompts us to talk about Ibram Max Kendi? Sure. Um, sure. Why not? <laughs> Michael can answer. Skeptical. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, Camille is definitely going to be want to do that too. Uh, I know. He just doesn't feel as prepared. Um, this is from Mike, one of our mics. Uh, the uh, subject line is another gem from Ibram X. Henry Rogers Kendi. Um, <laughs> again, the subject lines are, are starting to starting to sing. Hey, fellas, another capital T truth article from the Nation of Islam's and America's greatest writer leaves dancing at his feet and all the subhead traditional notions of the intellectual were never meant to include people who looked like me or who had a background mm -hmm. like mine. The suffering he faces every day as he trudges along in the sea of whiteness and oppression, struggling to keep his head above the hate, he yells out, I can't breathe. All the best, Mike. Just a little prompt. I know you guys were texting yeah, about this. We were. Well, mm. it was actually that email, because as I mentioned, um, you know, occasionally we get a, a pretty heavy volume email, but occasionally one will pop up while I'm in my email program. And so I'll happen to see it. And that one, I couldn't resist the the subject line and click through. And I was like, oh, fuck, do I have to subscribe to The Atlantic to read this piece of garbage? Um, I found a way around it. So yeah. <laughs> I sent it to another friend of, of mine who you guys know, who's a writer. And you read like, it at a, like, just to be clear, you read it at a, a film festival in Chicago, right? I, I, re <laughs> I read it by, <laughs> I read it by uh, finding the cached version. Yeah. Thank you, Google. Um, and a friend of mine who, who, uh, uh, is not a fan. Uh, was like, I'm not. It's asking me to log in, and I'm not going to do it. I cannot do it. <laughs> and he apologized. That guy used to make fun of Tanahasi codes, and he apologized to Tanahasi codes, and yeah. Uh, yeah. and then emailed back to me and said, you know, I didn't know it could always get worse. And this yeah. piece, by the way, um, might be one of the worst pieces I've read in the Atlantic in my life. I, and I'm not joking. I'm not saying like, oh, let's. Mm -hmm. Let's give us a little hyperbole. It is so mm -hmm. astonishingly bad that I'm- This is whether or not you like the content. Exactly. That's exactly right. Whether or not you think this is smart yes. and interesting and important work. Yes. If you, it, it, it's just, I can't, it's almost as if no one edits him or is afraid to edit him because they might be called racist or something. I don't know because no one is editing this stuff. It is astonishing. Um, he, the whole thing is about what it means to be into, in, an intellectual because he clearly- believes himself to be one, but someone this stupid cannot be qualified as an intellectual. I'm sorry. You can, you can get an, a, a MacArthur genius grant, which he did. He got the genius award. His uh, mm. stand from the beginning, which is an absolute wreck of a book, won the national book award. 
Um, this is the lowering of standards like I've never seen before. But he talks about um, writing the, that book, Stand from the Beginning. I'm going to read you a couple of things because it's just too good to, to leave on its own. <laughs> As I tried to write my book, Stand from the Beginning, I struggled over what it means to be an intellectual. No, you didn't. Or to be more precise. By the way, in writing, if you have to, if you ever say, yeah. or to be more precise, make the previous sentence more precise. Yep. Don't, like, don't throw clear. <laughs> you're wasting my time. I struggled because what I wanted to write and the way in which I wanted to write it diverged from traditional notions of what it means to be an intellectual. That, my friends, is what? an absolute nonsense sentence, which is baffling <laughs> to read. It's like, it, it gives me like vertigo trying to figure that I, out. I was just going to say, like, my head actually hurts, yeah, hurts. listening to you yeah. read this thing yes. again. This is, like, Lord. this is like a version of ASMR, but instead of putting you to sleep, it gives you a migraine. On. So, <laughs> the intellectual... The intellectual uh, has been traditionally, by the way, this is no one's being quoted here. It's just, this is, yeah. you know, it's traditionally. The intellectual has been traditionally framed as measured, objective, ideologically neutral, and apolitical, superior to ordinary people who allow emotion, subjectivity, ideology, and their own lived experiences to cloud their reason. First of all, that's a terrible sentence. Second of all, the, I've never read a sentence that's less true than that. There's this just like literally not a, a, a breath in that that is true. You're telling me that intellectuals have traditionally been objective and ideologically neutral. Yeah. That's, Noam Chomsky that's what, is a, is a objective. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so neutral. that made me think Mark of Twain. Of, um, of Prospect Magazine, the British magazine, did a, uh, a intellectual, like top intellectuals in the world in 2005, I think. Um, Chomsky was number one. <laughs> so, and... Uh, if you read Paul Johnson, the conservative writer who died not too long ago's book, Intellectuals, it's all about the crazy, hyper-political ideas of people like Jean-Paul Sartre and, and, and Karl Marx, all intellectuals, none of whom are measured, objective, ideologically neutral, and apolitical. This is not true. So the premise, which I think is the premise of this piece, isn't itself true. Um, now, this is just a complete shift. Group inequality has traditionally been reasoned, again, traditionally been reasoned to stem from group hierarchy. Now, tell me what that means, what? ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> what? I don't know. Wait, wait, it's, wait, wait, it's, wait, wait, what? Group Ye inequality yeah. has traditionally been reasoned to stem, which is reasoned not to English. Stem. Yes. Reason ah. to stem from group hierarchy. He should get the MacArthur Moron Award. I mean, this is unbelievable. <laughs> Those who advance anti-racist, anti-sexist, anti-classist, and anti-homophobic ideas have historically, again, have traditionally, have historically been framed as anti-intellectual. Um, I'm going to call W.E.B. Du Bois and see if he, if he, if he picks up. <laughs> was was Frederick Douglass considered an anti-intellectual? Who certainly wrote for no. the Atlantic at some point. Yes. Was he, he anti-intellectual? Yeah. I think Du Bois wrote for the Atlantic, too. Um, yes, of course. That's how he was. Because what he's setting this up is that the only, only true intellectual is him. Behind the scenes of the very public <laughs> anti-critical race theory, anti-woke, an anti-anti-racism campaign waged mostly <laughs> by Republican politicos is another overlapping and more bipartisan campaign waged mostly by people who think of themselves as intellectuals. Okay. Uh, My again, fucking God. Again. This was published in a magazine. Let's count the mostly. But, but you have to. Let's, let's count the mostly. But you have to. Slow it down and. and yeah. 
And you have to underscore whether or not we're actually talking about one sentence. That's one sentence. That's one sentence. That's one sentence. Let's do it again. One period. Let's teacher Moynihan break down. You're like a sentence structure guy, right? (laughs) So I'm I'm going to do the first bit fast. Behind the scenes of the very public anti-critical race theory, anti-woke, anti-anti-racism campaign waged mostly, I'm not going to be specific, by Republican politicos is another overlapping and more bipartisan campaign waged mostly by people who think of themselves as intellectuals. What? I truly have no idea what this man is talking about. And it's not me. It's him. Um, in, in, I guess the idea is that, um, I love that it also says behind the scenes of the mm-hmm. very public, behind the scenes. Waged. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so, there's so much um, nonsense, but I'll give you one or two more. I'm skipping, skipping around. They, these are the intellectuals that he hates so much argue that identity politics makes everything about identity or spurs a clash of identities. Like, well, like this is like chatbot. Like, chatbot would be like, this is dumb. Yeah. Like, literally AI is like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> who did this? It wasn't a computer. It was like somebody who couldn't even come close to being... Like, he's the one who would lose to Deep Blue, like, if they were playing checkers. <laughs> if they're, if they're, I mean, this is... Uh, this uh, and then this is an incredible non sequitur. In fact, the term identity politics was coined in the 1970s, a time when black lesbian women in organizations like Boston's Kumbahi River Collective, what, 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 what? I don't know, were being implored to focus their activist work on the needs of black men in black power spaces, white women in feminist areas, and gay men in gay liberation struggles on everyone's oppression but their own. They were determined to change that. <laughs> it's like, if a student turned this into me, I would be like, I, "You're, you're." I, I'm kicking you out of school. I don't Find have the power, but I'm. A, the verb were, tense somewhere I, there is a verb tense. Oh my god, it's it's so baffling, and I just it keeps on going. I, I think it's it must be a hoax, like a like an Alan Sokol. Um, like I love when they say gays. By the way, this is my, I, people using that word always amuse me. American traditions do not breed intellectuals. Uh, okay, they breed propagandists. Wait, they listen to this again. Traditions. Uh, American breed. traditions do not breed intellectuals. They, the American traditions, breed propagandists and careerists focusing their gaze. They're on the pro- yeah on the prominent and privileged and powerful and on whatever challenges are afflicting them. Good. God. I mean, this is a fucking joke, isn't it? I mean, this is in the, this is I mean, in the Atlantic. I, I, there's one of two. I mean, it's one of two things, right? It's either like total abdication of responsibility because you're afraid to do anything, or they're trying to sabotage. Yeah. I think they actually want him to fail. They must be doing that. So it's just like, oh, no, this is great. Yeah, yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. Put it in print, put his name on it. You're fine with this, right? Yep, good, okay, fine. We are told to research, think, and write about people, meaning not our people. What? We are told to let our, we are told, but there's no quotes in this, by the way. We're told to let our people die. We are told. told by whom? We are told to die. (laughs) That is the next sentence. We are told to let our people die. (laughs) We are told to die. Die. This, by the way, is candy. Think about the gaslighting of it all. We're told that white people are being replaced in society in their jobs within the intellectual class, 
One of the most successful living authors, James Patterson, claimed that white men are experiencing another form of racism as they, according to Patterson, struggle to break through as writers in publishing, theater, TV, and film. At least that's a coherent sentence. Yeah. I mean, I know what he's saying. <laughs> I don't know what, it, what it's connected to. And he, I mean, all his Patterson said is like, it's a tougher slog these days for like an old white guy. Not a controversial thing to say. I'm not saying that history has been unkind to white guys. It has been perfectly mm -hmm. kind to white guys. That's not what he's saying. But this kind of stuff I, I find mm. really uh, amazing and, and, and impressive. And um, it, it, it gets worse, too. I mean, if you can imagine. It can't be. But that one, that yeah. one sentence, the mostly sentence needs to be the framed and, and put somewhere. Oh, the mostly is, uh, there's, uh, it's a lot of people say, and <laughs> yeah. according to folks, it's not. We and this is the America's crisis <laughs> of intellectual. So I did something. Oh, no. After this, I just looked it up on, um, on uh, Twitter to see if anyone had been talking about it. And the funny thing about it was that there were a lot of historians and normal people, mostly, uh, from the left saying, is this a joke? Like this, he clearly doesn't even know what an intellectual is. I mean, he's like, you know, intellectuals notoriously are just like un supposed to be unbiased. Like I, it's like, it's like he's almost, it's like he's never read anything. I mean, I feel like the Marshall I McLuhan. That, I think there's in, actually in, a very, very good chance of that. It's possible, actually. right? Yeah. I mean, I truly do. I feel like the Marshall McLuhan pulled out from behind the, behind the poster in the, uh, in the movie theater in Annie Hall who's like, how you get to be a professor in anything is totally beyond me. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> um, I, my, and one, I can one more just because I love the use of this. Maybe I did have writer's block when I started composing, I love the verbs, how to be an anti-racist back in 2012. <laughs> how I, when I started composing, like he's Brahms or something. I did not, I did not <laughs> suffer from that sort of blockage Oh, <laughs> good right. Good right. Apparently not. It's like, he, not. It's, it's fucking Red Fox. He's like, I'm coming to join you. It's a big one. I got a blockage. I did not suffer from that sort of blockage when writing Stamp from the Beginning several years earlier. Uh, writing that uh, book was like writing in a cave to the cave. This this is a different way to say that. This is, this is, I, I can think of a different way of saying that? the same thing. It's like you that? fell asleep on the keyboard, <laughs> waiting in the cave to the cave. Okay, um, what? I don't even know. What he, what's the cave have to do with anything? He's in a cave. What the fuck is he doing in a cave? It's, wow. But it's what's really great yeah. is again this this entire time, mm -hmm. little to no critique of the substance here. We're just trying to get trying through. Trying to get through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The grammatical choices. Yes. The grammatical, yeah. Sen yeah. Syntax. Sentence structure. Syntax. Sentence I mean, structure. Yeah. It, is it is impossible to understand mm -hmm. what this man is fucking talking uh, it's, about. Uh, it's nearly. He is a disaster. Yeah. A disaster. It's, it is like. Maybe there was an issue in publication. Maybe that's it. Maybe he sent clean prose and they were just. They were like. Screwed up yeah. by someone. Maybe someone is trying to sabotage him. Maybe this is what white supremacy looks like. Yeah, it is what it looks like. It must be. <laughs> because because yeah. this is... God. I mean, honestly, anybody... like they sh If you are the MacArthur genius on the, <laughs> on the committee, like take the prize back. I mean, honestly, this is a humiliation for you. It's, it is so funny. I knew the smears were coming because I know history. 
Huh. What? What blocked my <laughs> what blocked my writing bound my intellectualism. What finally set me free to be an intellectual was the face of death. What? The face I still stare at to amass the courage to be an intellectual. What? I, I don't know. It's like I think the guy must be on he must have write, written this on his like ayahuasca trip yeah, or something. Yeah. Like right after he started vomiting <laughs> in the woods in Brazil. They were like, hey, it was the face pen. of death, the face I still stare at. Yeah, yeah. He's, he, he, I think he watches the movie Faces of Death from the 80s. <laughs> he loves it. Um, this, and then it's all of a sudden he's talking about how he had cancer. Um, since I wasn't going to live, I wanted, so apparently he thought he was going to die. Okay. Um, but I, I wanted to write a book that could help prevent our people from dying at the hands of racism. Oh. Yes, I was told I would die. But I wanted to tell my people to live like an intellectual. <laughs> what? what? <laughs> I don't understand. But that is honestly the worst piece of writing that I've ever come across in the Atlantic. I'm not kidding. I don't. I can't think of anything. And to uh, be clear, for people who are not familiar with the journalism business, but your intuition is probably correct about this. Uh, if you're sitting at home, someone who's the recipient of the MacArthur Genius Grant, which is uh, what's uh, half a million dollars? Um, is, uh, it might even be more. I don't know. Yeah, big chunk of change, and everyone wants it. Um, uh, it, and who's in the Atlantic, and who's been given all these awards, um, uh, is likely to have sign off before a big essay goes into a magazine. Um, yes. even, yeah. even you get sign off when you're not that you don't have all that stuff, uh, and the geniuses and whatever, um, you just write for a magazine, uh, a pretty normal $800,000, by the way, they, 800, what, what the white okay. supremacist MacArthur fellow program paid him $800,000. Um, I think <laughs> oh Camille needs his uh, genius grants and then just to turn it down and say, no, I will not uh, take that. No, they don't grant. give, they used to give them to actual geniuses. I'm coming. I Cormac McCarthy got it, et cetera. Um, yeah. Now they just give it to. I like the I like the direction this is going. And first, Matt calls me a genius, and yeah. then Moynihan cosign. Yeah, cosign and say like you know I'm I'm comparing yeah, you to Cormac McCarthy, yeah. one of to your Cormac McCarthy, yeah, one of your favorite. Because we're the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, at, at Ada Louise Huxtable, uh, won in 1981 too, um, who I believe huh. is Bill Cosby's wife. Uh, <laughs> is that right? I thought I thought he was married to Camille. No, I, no, it's her okay. last name's Huxtable. I, I, that Huxtable was just the okay. name on the TV show, Camille. <laughs> <laughs> Get with it. <laughs> oh God, there's no yeah. chance that he genius. didn't sign off on these words. It's it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. It's ama oh, oh, David Foster Wallace. This is what I, I've decided yeah, to write. Interesting people on it. Um, wow. Do you know what a friend of mine said the other day, which I thought was really amazing? And I look back, and there's like it's it's very. Um, racially mixed uh, for as long as um, I can tell. I mean, like just scrolling through, you see a lot of people. A friend of mine said something really interesting at dinner the other night. He said, I was looking at, and this is not somebody who's in our universe. He said, I was looking at um, uh, old toy commercials from mm -hmm. the 70s. He's an older guy, you know, probably in our age group. And he said, you know, it was really amazing to me because I wouldn't think this were too because of the kind of rhetoric today. He's like, everyone, it was like, you know, black kids and white kids playing together and uh, toys, like every toy commercial, there were like black kids in them. And you would think just, you know, thinking about this stuff now, 
that uh-huh. it was only a recent development that we decided to, you know, make these things. Well, of course, you know, people are trying to sell toys, right? And they're trying to sell toys to everybody. That's kind of, you know, the great thing about capitalism is it's uh, leveling in that sense. But I was like, huh, that's interesting. And then I realized when you go through magazines, it's very similar to, usually the benchmark is uh, cigarette ads. Because there were so yeah. many of them back then. And it was like just... And you want, you want to kill all the black people with That's probably right. Yeah, that's... Right. Menthol. Do you remember... Especially, especially calibrated would, for that purpose. Do you remember, again, like, you think stuff like this just would happen without anyone paying any attention at the time. Do you remember Uptown cigarettes? Oh. I do, yeah. There were cigarettes, uh, menthol cigarettes, uh, directly marketed to black people. And it yeah. was, it lasted about three days. Before they were taken, <laughs> before they were, it was all taken down. They were like, "Oh, sorry, I guess not." <laughs> so that was, um, yeah, Uptown Cigarettes. Billy D. Williams got some got some promotional money uh, in the in the seventies and eighties. I think he was. I uh, did some Schlitz malt liquor. Oh no, uh, he com- did Colt forty five or Colt forty five. Sorry, mm-hmm. he literally yeah. the uh, the ad was a woman pulling his bow tie off, pulling it off, <laughs> and him looking at the camera and saying, "Works every time." Yeah. It's amazing. It's the best. That was literally the ca- that was the catchphrase. It works every time. I'm not kidding. Yeah. It's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. Uptown but cigarettes. I, but what is really being what is really being posited in those ads? Is it that when he drinks it, he is at his most charismatic? No, she's wasted. Is his most seductive. <laughs> <laughs> but he's uh, like. But it's also it requires it both. Well, it requires it a both. suspension of disbelief because as as the person watching this commercial you're like you're also fucking billy d williams i yeah. mean you're in star wars you don't have to, you don't malt liquor's not what you need you're yeah like yeah, baby yeah, yeah. i'm lando calrissian and she's like i know let's get in let's get in that yellow cab he's like they're not gonna pick me up because i'm black because it's 1985 yeah um yeah oh, my oh God. by the way rj reynolds they were uh, responsible uh. for uptown they literally, this is, we talk about paved with good intentions to try to kill people. They uh, plan to introduce Uptown Cigarettes in February of 1989 to coincide with Black History Month. Oh, good. Is that amazing or not? <laughs> oh, my God. It is. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think it lasted. Yeah, because there were protests and uh, it, uh, it, uh, yeah, they, they they never even came out. They they withdrew it prior to rollout. So, so um, yeah, Uptown Cigarettes, bring them back, people. Should I read the email <laughs> with the subject line? I dreamt of unsatisfying sex with Moynihan and being mobbed by <laughs> by Matt's prehistoric pets. I can tell you real life stories about people having unsatisfying <laughs> sex with me too. <laughs> this is from Sherry. It's C-H-E-R-E-E, so Sherry. Are you sure it's not from Rob? Are you sure? I'm not sure. Yeah. Says, hey, also, I became fully paid member last year. Ding, 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 gong, etc. Congratulations. Uh, Thank you. And have been catching up on the back catalog of member-only episodes. By the way, you know that if you pay, I will really have sex with you. 
Yeah. That's just all it takes. <laughs> if you're like on the, I just go through the scroll. I'm like, all right, come on. It's like a guest list. Pretty sure that's that's still illegal. Moyne. Yeah. That is not true, by the way. That is illegal. It's no, against, that's illegal. It's a donation. She'll do it whether or not you pay. Yeah. It's like one of those raffles. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. You don't even have to buy a ticket to yeah, win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like those bars in people's houses where the beer is a donation of $5. Yeah. <laughs> Cherie continues, I just finished a run of shows last year without Camille when he was moving. That's a perennial thing. Uh, I think that's why he wasn't in my dream. Anyway, oh. Moynihan and I were at his place. Okay. He was pacing around yeah. naked. Uh, it happens. While talking on the phone. Who was uh, I talking to? But the phone was an old rotary phone attached to the kitchen wall with the extra long cord all of our moms had back in the day. Did you look at it in my house? <laughs> <laughs> 